You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With the end of the regular season approaching and playoffs right around the corner, 15 NHL teams will be looking to the future with the NHL Draft Lottery. And to celebrate, the Hockey Podcast Network has partnered with Tankathon.com and CoolHockey.com to bring you the Hockey Podcast Network NHL Draft Lottery Contest. The winner of the contest will win a $200 gift card to CoolHockey.com, the Internet's best source for ordering and customizing NHL officially licensed jerseys. So here's how you play. Visit tankathon.com slash NHL and click Sim Lottery to create a 15-team simulation. You can run the simulator as many times as you like until you get the result that you think will best match the NHL's official draft lottery. Take a screenshot of your simulation and post it to the comments section of the Hockey Podcast Network's contest tweet on their official Twitter account, at HockeyPodNet. Then, make sure to tag a friend and retweet the post. You must follow at Tankathon, at Cool Hockey and at HockeyPodNet on Twitter to be eligible for entry. All entries must be submitted by April 4th at 11.59 Eastern. The winner of the $200 Cool Hockey gift card will be announced on Twitter following the NHL's official draft lottery. All contest information can be found at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. So what are you waiting for? Visit tankathon.com slash NHL right now and keep simulating until you get the result that you think will best win you your CoolHockey.com gift card. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Mika Zibanejad podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network. And this is episode 47. A historical night happened last night against the Washington Capitals. One of our saviors this season put the team on his back once again, but he didn't get a hat trick. He didn't get four. He registered five goals. And I have to say, the fifth goal coming in overtime with an unbelievable pass from Panarin and an unbelievable move on the breakaway to put it bar down went top shelf and just sealed the deal for the rangers grabbing two huge points it was just a perfect storm of everything it just summed up this entire season and it summed up mika zibanejad and it summed up how this team is just relentless and never quits and it was just embodied in a five goal game by our future captain and i say that as in this pretty much sealed the deal of who our captain will be. Uh, Everyone on Twitter was going absolutely bananas. Uh, The hockey world, you know, everyone, even if you weren't a Ranger fan, you weren't embracing this game because of just the back and forth. You had Ovechkin scoring a couple, him scoring at the end to tie it up. And you just felt like, you know, who's going to step up here? And once again, it was Mika Zibanejad and, Honestly, like there are probably a lot of people listening to this being like, I can't wait to hear what they have to say or or, like, what are your thoughts on this? And it's just like it's speechless, like it's beyond even words at this point, what this season has been. And then to give us that performance last night, Mika, it's like, I don't even know what you want me to say about you anymore. Because you were already a hero in my eyes. You were already overachieving. You were already carrying this team on your back along with Panarin. And and a performance like that, 
for five goals against, you know, a defending Stanley Cup champion two years ago after you just lost a close battle with the St. Louis Blues defending Stanley Cup champions from last year. It's just like there's there's no words to even describe it. It's just like I've never been this happy as a Ranger fan. Even in our best seasons, I've never felt this way. And Andy, I know you said something earlier to me today about you just you've never felt a, a Rangers team this close before. And that's the perfect way to describe it. It's just you feel like I feel like I'm a part of this team because of how close they are and what they've been able to do and how they've been able to do it. So I don't know what your thoughts are, but those I mean, those are those are mine. Yeah, I'm still buzzing after last night. Uh, I was at band practice and uh, uh, another friend of mine was just texting me the updates. You know, it's like Mika, Hattie. So I was like, oh, it's nice. And, you know, I check the box score. Then we're playing some songs and my phone is buzzing on my my music stand in front of me. And then, you know, I see the four with the exclamation points. And I'm just like, holy. And I at that point, I was like, I need to watch this game. So we like finished the song. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, I need to see how this ends. Like, my bandmates are kind of looking at me all weird. But I'm like, I just, I have to see this. So I, I, I walk out of the room and there's a television in the other room. I turn it on. And right as I turn it on is when, uh, you know, they're holding that that 5-4 lead. And Ovechkin uh, scores his uh, second of the night and ties it. And he does the, he, what was lost is that when he scored, he does the Panarin, he mocked the, the mock Panarin uh, leg kick, <laughs> you know. It, it, so I was like, of course, like, cause I was all amped and I'm like this, this effing team, you're going to do this to me, get me all excited. I run out and now it's like going to be heartbreak. But, um, yeah, I mean, overtime starts and then, and he does that and the guard, you know, I was watching on this TV is in is like a side room. So it was like, you know, it's not like a big surround system or anything, but I could tell just watching it how loud it was at the garden like the the building was rocking it looked and felt like a playoff atmosphere i was there the other night even though they lost to st louis have had that atmosphere too people are excited about this team and for him to do that it just felt special and you know what i you really got to give sam credit for the call he called it absolutely perfectly you know his voice cracks as mika breaks to the net knowing that he he's got five on the game and five goals on his stick and he scores and there's just the outpouring of, you know, emotion. Even you saw Mika just, yeah, his, his jubilation, Sam call, you know, kudos to you, Sam. That was an amazing call. I, I've, I've watched it probably 50 times since last night. Just keep rewatching because it it's almost surreal in a way. You see the team pile on, you know, Tony jumps into the pile. Then you see Brennan Lemieux sprint as fast as he can to the boards, you know. And that's the thing to to that point about how close they are. I love the fact that uh, even the guys who are the roles are lesser. They like they know that it's important to them that if they're even if they're not the biggest contributors in terms of that, they're contributing in terms of the mood in the room. You know whether it's uh, well, like like I said, Brendan Lemieux. Strom obviously plays a big part, but yeah, all these guys are really trying to. And then after the game, everyone tweeting. Now, congratulations to Mika and like hashtag Mika for president and all this stuff. And then you see the video of in the locker room. Mika is doing the postgame interview in the hallway. They 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 tell the trainer, turn the music, you know, turn the boom box off. They all hide in the, the the separate equipment room off to the side. Mika comes in and all of a sudden they all just mob rush him in his stall. Like it was awesome. It was just they feel it feels like this team is really close. They have belief in one another. It looked. It seemed like things were kind of going sideways with a, a few losses, and and they were losing that you know what everything they'd worked so hard for. But they're still in it, and they're gonna fight till the very end. And even if they don't make it, like you feel, it feels like they've there's there. It's unequivocal that they've built something for for next season, and that was literally the only goal. You know the the it's the you know the the horses are we have the horses finally we have a top three player in the league in Panarin. I mean, I maybe you can, maybe you can even argue Mika's now, or at least is hovering somewhere around there. If you look at his last, his games prorated for the, and his points for the last few seasons, you have a guy who's top 
He's top 10 in uh, goal scoring. He's, I think he's a seven, despite the fact that he's played 10 or 12 less games than everyone else on the list. You know, he's only because he missed, uh, I think he missed 12 games when he uh, had the concussion. Um, we have a young defenseman, Tony D'Angelo, who's fifth in defenseman scoring. Like, you know, Panera, it's just, we have Adam Fox, who we got for a second, who is outside of, but is kind of has outsider Calder, you know, buzz. We have a young stud goaltender, Nigor Shesterkin. Like, we have young guys that are slowly figuring out, like Philip Heat. Like, it just kind of, it really just sets the tone and makes you realize that, like, there is something here. Because even when the Rangers were going to the cup final a few years ago, you were like, yeah, we have Ryan McDonough. And yes, we have Lundqvist. And then you're just like, eh. and then we got these guys, but they really, you know, they, they're better. You know, the sum is better than the whole, you know, whatever we had to tell ourselves to feel good about it. But now I feel like it feels like the, the arsenal is stocked and it's just about making sure, you know, everything is, uh, you know, trained and clean and firing on all cylinders. So, I mean, I'm just absolutely stoked being, I was, it was surreal when I woke up, getting on the subway, seeing, just subway, you know, uh, New York posts and whatever, Wall Street Journal. So everything's thrown around and seeing Mika's face plastered a big, not only like, um, you know, big on the top page and then a little bar on the bottom saying, uh, you know, aisles like lose. Five. It was the, it was just the best. Today was the best fucking morning I woke up to in a long time. So and that's all credit to Mika's advantage. So Mika, thank you. Oh, captain, my future captain. Yeah. And when you think about five goals and how incredible that is, you know, there I'll always remember when uh, Gabrick scored with the Christmas uniforms on. He scored five uh, against us. And, yeah, and they carried him out on their shoulders. Yeah, and how Jesus unbelievable. Christ. And, like, you know, watching that game, and you're like, you know, that's unbelievable. Like, that's an unreal moment. You know, five goals doesn't happen often. Uh, I believe uh, Patrick Laine did it last year. He scored five goals, yeah. which was, you know, incredible. But, you know, it just you never expected it in a Rangers uniform. And when it happens, it's it's it really is crazy. It, it, and there's and like scoring five goals is one thing, but just the way this season has gone and how big this game was and how big that moment was and how big overtime was after we just let up a goal uh, to go into overtime. And we know how each point is so valuable right now. And and then, you know, as a Ranger fan sitting, you know, I'm sitting at home. I'm checking the scores of the other game. I flip on, you know, because we get the Islanders games here also. I flip on the Islanders game. They were they had the lead, and Ottawa came back, and then Ottawa takes a 3-2 lead, and 4-2. Islanders make it 4-3. So I'm like, these assholes are going to tie it and get a point. And then, you know, they were able to hold on, uh, thankfully, to, to lose in regulation. And, uh, you know, then Flyers take care of business, and they continue their hot streak, and, you know... And the way the Flyers beat the Capitals and they beat Hurricanes and, you know, losing two doesn't really seem that big of a deal anymore. And I, and I wrote a blog a couple of days ago. Basically, you know, the Rangers lost three in a row. Let's all take a deep breath because you saw the way they played against St. Louis and St. Louis is going to be competing for a Stanley Cup. Mark my words, they're going to be they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially if Tarasenko comes back. They're going to be a problem in the West. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're if they're in the Stanley Cup Finals once again. So the way they they were able to lose drop two to a hot Flyers team, and then you know take on St. Louis at home and really play a defensive battle. I know um, Valaket made a, a note, and it was you know I I really you know uh, you know this really like you know made me give me chills, but like you know the way the Rangers were able to play a defensive style game and compete defensively against the defending Stanley Cup champions. And then, you know, the following game, able to outscore a team that won the Stanley Cup two years ago that has many of the same pieces, certainly the same foundation. And, you know, to be in those games in two different styles and being the youngest team in the NHL and watching our stars step up and just completely take over the game and dominate it really is. It's special. And we've had seasons where we've been at the top of the standings. I've never felt like this before. I don't know if it's because this is the first year of us doing the Broadway Boys podcast. So I feel like a bigger part of me is attached to the Rangers now. 
but this is this never happens. I, I never feel this way. And I and honestly, it's like I'm pretty realistic when it comes to the Rangers and the expectations. I'm probably actually more negative usually, but this is like this is like a joke. I feel like like this is uh, like not real. Like they're gonna be like, nah, they actually lost last night. Uh, you were dreaming. Well, it's like Mika scores the goal, and it's like it would be hilarious. He scores, you know, the OT goal. He's, you know, it's five goals, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the Capitals scored another goal. Like we're yeah. still still going because, you know, credit to them, they, tit, you know, they went tit for tat with their, you know, both teams went with each other. So, uh, but yeah, man, it's just it's surreal. And uh, Valak had mentioned that. In the in the scrum, you know, the pile, the mass of humanity after the game of Mika getting mobbed by his teammates, the Mike picked up uh, Lemieux, grabbed Mika, you know, by the, the cheeks almost and like look at him and goes like, you saved our season, man. Like, and, you know, you look at what that game meant last night where in terms of where they were and the two teams, not that they would have known it, but the two teams right around there, you know, the Islanders lost. Uh and then I guess Florida lost, right? And then yeah, uh, Florida so lost in overtime. But Florida's not really a threat because they would fight for that third spot. So it's kind of like an odd situation. Florida I almost feels like almost. Yeah. Oh, and Carol and Carolina lost. Carolina well. lost, yeah. So that's huge. You know what I mean? Especially considering that Carolina has two games in hand on the Rangers. You know what I mean? So, uh it's still going to be really tough. You know, the Islanders need to slip a bit. Um, Columbus is dilapidated, but they're still there. They have a, they don't a game on the Rangers and they're, they're three points ahead of them. You know, just, it's still an up, it's still an uphill battle for this team. So we just need to, to preface by saying that, that, but that obviously does not mean it's not with the way this team is looking. I mean, I don't want to set our sights too far ahead because it's, they, you know, especially if they, you look at what they've done the last few games and then or and with their streak and then you look at our game uh, tomorrow, if you're I know you're listening to this probably Monday morning, but Saturday they play the, the New Jersey Devils and you they have, you know, they have to keep climbing, but just they need to keep that energy up and don't treat the Devils any different. Just play them as hard as you would play any, you know, the teams you've been playing. Every game is important, uh, but yeah, there's belief. And that's that's all we wanted. And like you said, it's like the feel is different. And I think they can feel it in the room. And I think going forward, that confidence is going to pay off dividends. Because even if they they just they finish out, they know they have something going forward. You know what I mean? And then that's not even considering that you look at with between having the two first this summer cap, you know, the cap may be going up a little bit more than anticipated. Uh, yeah, they might be a little tight, but in terms of they have assets to to load up more over the summer and fill in some holes. No, absolutely. And, you know, if you look at this team right now, you know, it's, they're certainly very exciting, but there are, there are holes right now in our yes, lineup. Exactly. Like they're like, it's clear, like clear as day, yeah. but you know, the, and I don't, I don't know, like, do you, do you owe, how much do we owe Quinn or like, how much do we owe Panarin and, and Mika? Like, like, well, what, I, I like what's going this. on here? Like, is this a product of our leaders on the team? Because, you know, I feel like, you know, Quinn, Quinn was suspect in the beginning of the season, but I really feel like he's just kind of like, all right, I found something that works. I'm not going to, I'm just going to ride this out. I'm going to rely on my all-stars to get me out of some jams. And, and, you know, even towards the end of the game, I, and I might as well just bring this up now because I, I wanted to bring it up before, but it just popped sure. into my head and it's going to, it's going to bother me if I don't say it is I was utterly disgusted in Quinn's decision to have stall on the ice. But I will say this, you brought up a good point that if stall wasn't on the ice and the, the capitals didn't score, Mika wouldn't get his fifth goal. Big brain Quinn. Huh? That fair. <laughs> I don't think that it no. was his intention, but I will say no, this. I know. Quinn after the game admitted that he made a mistake by not calling a timeout after that, after their goal. Because he said, you know, I wanted certain players on the ice and I was using them so much that I kind of had to go back into the well a little bit to, to, you know, and take a chance. And he was wrong. So I, I'll, you know, props to him for saying that I look hindsight. I would have called the timeout at that point, you know, to give the guys a rest and get, you know, two centers out there. And, and, and he wanted, um, I think he said he wanted specifically, he wanted Mika and Faust out there 
and then you know he would have been able to get his uh you know defenseman that he wanted out there but you know it's that right there kind of show tells me a lot too about what kind of coach he is you know being able to not take credit for that and almost admit that like the only reason we're in that situation was it was my fault I should have you know calmed the game down a little bit but I didn't but one of my players stepped up so you know it is what it is so I yeah, uh, kudos to him for being able to admit that. You know, Quinn's job this year, it was tough because when you're a head coach in the National Hockey League, your job is to win games, but he's brought in specifically to de- help develop players, more specifically help develop the young players. And those two uh, goals don't, yeah, they kind of run in direct opposition to each other sometimes because it's like sometimes deploying the younger players is not go, what you is not going to put you over the top to win a game or you know stacking your lines or or sh- you know shortening your bench but i have to say for someone who tried to serve two masters this year yeah he got a lot of flack early on for oh you know kako's not playing here he's not getting enough playing time or go chase here and he's not but at the same time we've said like i i i'm guilty of it too and i you know see rangers fans like oh why is this guy playing at this time? Why is Howden out there during this when we need offense? Like, why would you not, you know, or whatever? He, he Fulfilling those two masters is really tough. And I think for the most part, Quinn has done a pretty good job trying to juggle both. Yes, it's led to some sloppy things. And early on, you know, it was clear with, you could see that the young guys with their inexperience that and not being comfortable and not knowing exactly where to be and what to do and how to defend certain things. Yeah, they didn't. It's almost like they had to take that extra second to think about where am I supposed to be? What should I be doing? Is this guy going to come behind me? And it just wasn't second nature. But, you know, the last two months, this year, pretty much since the the new year or like right around the All-Star break, this team kind of finally figured it out. You know, now we have he can rely heavily on Linda Graham Fox and not be worried about them. You know, he can. See, Tony can freewheel, but at the same time, he feels comfortable that if I put Mark with him, he'll know when to get back and not put Mark in a bad spot that he's, you know, just too old and slow to get turned or, you know what I mean? He knows that, you know, he can put Brendan with Truba and Truba can maybe babysit him again. But at the same time, you know, then that gives Brendan, who's been playing forward for most of the year, he can kind of sneak up and join the rush if he needs to. So, yeah, I mean, really, I will say kudos to him. He's kind of put... Guys have gotten mixed usage this year, but I think over outside of just kind of shortening the bench sometimes when you need a goal, which is what you should do as a coach, stack your lines, you know, win the game. Uh, yeah, I think everyone's kind of, even if they're not scoring, I mean, Heedle, when he came up from the AHL, had a, was a big part of this team, you know, in their success. You know, he had a little hot streak since coming up and his defensive game is so much better. He scored, you know, he's had trouble scoring recently, but he scored a nice goal against uh, the opening goal versus Chicago the other week. Um, Kako gets the assist because he, first off, he has nice speed coming up the ice, which to see Kako actually skate with speed up the ice, you're like, oh yeah, wow. Like he's looked so slow at times this year, but he didn't look slow there. And just to be decisive and literally just take a low, hard slapper perfect position at caroms mika doing what any player in the league should do you follow the puck to the net where no matter where it goes and just stashes it yeah the, you can't say the young guys weren't part of that last night you know di giuseppe has been kind of an understatedly bright part of this team the last few weeks you know just creating havoc maybe he's not directly getting rewarded but you'll see him on the ice in the pile all the time and you just kind of look at what happens like oh he like closed that guy off on the wall oh he went right to the net oh he picked set a little pick or he went, you know, pulled the guy this way. You just kind of see what he's meant to this team. So yeah, you have to really have to give Quinn credit because to do what he's done with the youngest team in the league is tough. And here we are. So it's all, it's almost like the, a lot of the moves that you question Quinn about and you wonder why uh, you wonder why he's doing it. And you almost think that he's purposely putting those players there just to see if they'll fail. And I feel like it's an overachievement on it's a risk that Quinn is taking, which a lot of people don't like, but it's also a risk that is paying off because a lot of our players are overachieving right now. And I don't and I maybe overachievement is the wrong word, but they're 
they're living exceeding up, expectations, exceeding <laughs> expectations, or they're just living up They're you know, they're standing up to the challenge, like they're taking the challenge on head on and, and succeeding and, and learning and growing. And, and so I think, again, I, I use this constantly a perfect storm, but it just seems to be like a perfect storm of the situation that the Rangers are in this year, where there was no pressure to be good. They started, you know, achieve, uh, achieving uh, some sort of recognition in this league as a up and coming team. And they have a couple bona fide all stars that have, you know, taken the reins and said, you know what, not everyone's going to be able to contribute tonight. So yeah, I'm going to net five. And, and and also underrated that we didn't even like bring up is Panera notches another three assists. And if anyone saw the last night's goal, I'll be surprised if there hasn't been a hockey fan in the entire world that didn't see Mika's goal last night in overtime. The the look and the connection and the chemistry of that pass with those two was unbelievable. It was just as sweet oh, as yeah. the goal. Absolutely. Panarin puck exits the uh, puck exits uh the capitals end Panarin and you know goes back to retrieve it. He du- he looks over his his uh his left shoulder and cuz he sees Mika come out and immediately start to button hook and it wasn't even it was really subtle too. It wasn't like he just like was a few steps in the other direction. You just see he sees Mika duck dip the shoulder to come across the ice. So Panarin in one, like one motion, not like doesn't corral the puck, look up ice and fire it. He gets his stick close enough to the, the, like he starts his slap pass before, you know, before he's, he's still facing uh, Georgiev. And then in one motion, he just kind of pivots to his back skate and just be, and it was James, the, it was literally the perfect speed in that it was like, it was fast. It was hard. wasn't too hard. It was perfectly on the ice. It was flat. It just he just put the perfect amount of touch and spin on it. Mika corrals it beautifully, and he's already headed up the ice. And you look at uh, tired Capitals players who are defending; they have no chance. I think Ovechkin just stops skating. He's just like, nope. Well, <laughs> he kind of you you can tell he's like, no, this is like this is over. Well, it's unexpected, and, and it's and it's at an awkward angle too. For even for Mika, it's at an awkward angle because it's not like yeah. So kudos to him because he's cutting across. He's a right-handed shot, so. He he gets it on his forehand, but then you have to break away. From you know, him. while you're your outside crossover to accelerate into the zone, you have to then shield the puck, put it on your your backhand so you can, can you know you can finish crossing over and then make sure you're shielding the puck. And it was just both players in concert, like you said, beautiful chemistry, perfect timing. Yeah, it's just it's really hard for people to wrap their head around how hard something like that is. You know. And but beautiful connection, just second nature. You just saw Mika just all night had that. And that's not even considered the, the Tony's goal, the pass that Panera makes across the slot to find a, you know, a streaking Tony down the wing. Just hard again, hard, accurate, perfect, no wobble, no bounce. You know, Tony catches and immediately releases uh, top shelf. And. Yeah, I mean. We're, we're we're all talking about Mika and Panarin again is just uh, keeps himself in the in the uh, in my opinion the Hart Trophy and the Art Ross race. Uh, you know I actually have the NHL stat leaders right here with um, yeah after last night that puts Panarin he's in uh, he's tied for third with Pasternak with ninety three points. McDavid is ninety five. Drysdale has one hundred ten. You're not. I don't think anyone's catching Leon, but those guys are one and two play with each other, uh, and pa- then you have Pasternak who plays with the guy who is uh, two spots behind Panarin and Brad Marchand. So, I but at the same time, you could argue, you know, uh, our boy Mika, who's f- uh, fifth in goals right now with 38 in the league, who would miss more, you know, has missed 12 games, so he's played almost 10 to 12 games less than most of the people ahead of him. If he was healthy for those, would he be in that conversation for points as well? Because he's got 71 points. 13 games. Yeah, 13 games. He's at 71 points in 54 games this year. Since, uh, and here's a a nice stat, courtesy of uh, our friend Stat Boy Steven, uh, Steven Vogel, shout out. Since the start of the 2018-2019 season, Mika Zibanejad ranks ninth, tied with four others in goals per game. 
So he's tied with, uh, yeah, I don't know who those guys he's tied were, but like, that's crazy. And he's only getting better. He's only, his, his production's only accelerating. So he's like entering his prime right now. You know, after he scored 70 last year, we were like, oh, we fi- like we think we might finally have our one. It's it's unequivocal. He is not only is he a one C, he's currently one of the I would say he's probably currently one of the top 10 centers in the league. Uh, without a doubt. And he's an he's truly an elite player. And we finally the Rangers finally have not just an elite player. They have two of them. And I don't know if you want to argue Tony's production because he's in rarefied air right now, if that makes him that. But considering his age and that he might even get better. If you look at John Carlson, who's having his best season at the age of, you know, however old he is right now. Uh, what? Well, yeah, man. I think given the situation and Tony having 52 points in 65 games and just the way he's done it, um, it you know, even he, he's probably going to hit, I mean, he's got 14 goals right now. Uh, he's easily probably going to hit 15. I, I would confidently say that, you know, scoring 15 goals, uh, and he's probably going to hover around, I don't know, 45, 50 assists for the season. What he's doing. Yeah. He's an elite defenseman. Uh, I w- you know, I don't, I don't know what to expect out of Tony going forward, but right now he loves being a New York Ranger and, you know, he kind of fits this system and he's a risk taker. That's for sure. And he's not shy to get involved. He's in a riverboat gambler. He really is. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he, He's very confident in himself and it's paying off for sure. And, and, you know, I would be, I would say normally back in the day, I'd be like, you know, he's too one dimensional, but I just think the way this team is playing right now, we allow certain players to take risks and then, and then we're, you know, be sure to cover, you know, cover them on the way back. So, you know, Tony steps up. I'm sure Quinn is addressing the fact like, listen, I want you to step up. But this is what I expect from one of the forwards who needs to drop back and and cover Tony's you know spot. And you see that we don't really give up that that much. Even last night, the amount of odd man rushes and the the you know the uh, capital players coming through the middle, we kind of stepped up and picked up the loose puck, and they didn't really have many second chances. I mean, the goals that we let in were you know some of them were a little bit soft. The Haglin goal right off the bat was, was, was rough. Yeah, it was rough. And then, um, oh God, who got the second one? Uh, Col- Kovalchuk. That was a c- kind of a collapse in uh structure, you know, yeah. kind of just snuck in, no one picked him up and he was able to rifle one over the shoulder. That was a tough one. And then, uh, I don't really remember Hathaway's goal to be honest. And then obviously um, Ovechkin's two, which, yeah, you know, until Vetchkin. Yeah, let's listen. We exactly it's we we're big enough to to even say, listen, you know, the, the right now is is uh, I just closed all my stat windows, but you know, Ovechkin still at his age, best goal scorer in the league. But so I mean, we can even give him props, but yeah, I mean, to your point, if you look at the way some of those guys who are maybe seen as uh, you know, Tony's an offensive defenseman, but he has been so much better with his reads recently. I remember at the beginning of the season, he even though he was scoring, he had some really ill-advised pinches, and he's really cleaned that up as of as of late. Truba looked pretty engaged last night. He's had a, a slew of good games recently after kind of struggling, you know, uh, where it was clear that Quinn was going to use uh, Fox and Lindgren as his top pairing, but he's looked engaged, and I think especially with some of these bigger Stanley Cup built teams, he's Quinn definitely wants him out there. I was watching him give Ovechkin the business behind the net and just anyone who was skated by him was getting a little, you know, a little uh, slight butt end or a forearm shiver and he's barking at him. Uh, Lindegren, you know, the with that low center of gravity, absolutely, it looked like he literally just checked, just a, a clean check into, you know, big Tom Wilson. It looked like Wilson he kind of buckled a little bit because, you know, Lindegren is, is he, you, you see his size cause he's slight, but he's stocky and he's just got that low center gravity. It looks like he almost like checked his spleen into the boards and he just looked, Tom was like shaken up. And I was like, man, this Lindegren is a tough customer, man. So it's like, even though they're a little undersized, they don't, they play, they don't play small, you know, Fo- maybe, you know, Fox is so smart that he just uses his brain, his stick and his feet to get out of situations. But, you know, uh, Tony will mix it up with anyone. They had a few scrums last night and Lindegren's not going to take crap from anyone. So yeah, I mean, to your credit, 
he, Quinn gives them carte blanche to do things, but that he definitely hasn't to, in saying that he hasn't made, he's made sure that they, they don't shirk the responsibilities they have and that, and if they are going to do that, it better be clear that someone's going to be able to fill that slot and, you know, stay back as they kind of gallivant around the ice. And your point with people saying that Tony uh, is too much of an offensive defenseman and is too much of a liability on the def- defensive end. I mean, there's not an offensive defenseman in the in the league that doesn't sacrifice a little bit of defense to create that offense. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, for Tony to do what he does, he definitely relies on a, a team game, and you know, for people to cover for him. And it's not like it's a lack of uh, effort to get back and in case the play, you know, turns and goes the other way, you know, I just think that, you know, in, in order for us to be successful, you have to activate the defenseman because it's, it's just too much. It's too much on the forwards to always be, you know, trying to create the offense through a cycle. You need the, you need the defense to jump in the play, rush the puck a little bit and try to create more odd man rushes going the other way. So again, you know, I mean, you look at Eric Carlson, you know, he's not known for his defense. He's known to create offense and be an offensive defenseman, a scorer, you know, person that can set up a play, a playmaker. You know, Tony's doing Tony things. He's very confident in himself, and he's very, uh, um, he's very cerebral out there when it comes to the offensive side of the of the game. And you know, he's having success right now, and there's no reason to make adjustments. Just let him keep being him, and you know maybe put him with uh, someone who's a little bit more defensively sound and, and doesn't mind, you know, staying back and allowing Tony to be Tony. Uh, that being said, you know, our defense played, I thought, well, I thought our defensive zone coverage was pretty well. We had a couple lapses, but that's going to happen against teams like Washington. I, I mean, there was nothing to truly worry about. A couple of goals were soft, but I'm sure, you know, Georgie will be fine. I have a question to ask you. How's your sock game? Are you wearing the same basic socks day in and day out? Are you showing your feet the same amount of style and attention you show your pants and jackets? Well, you're in luck, because I am proud to announce the Hockey Podcast Network Ugly Sock Contest, presented by SouthernScholar.com. Southern Scholar is a hockey player-owned menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through a monthly subscription to their shop. Crafted with their one-of-a-kind signature material blend, and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns, their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday attire. By partnering with the Hockey Podcast Network, Southern Scholar wants to help get you out of your old, boring socks and into a pair of beautifully crafted and stylish dress socks by giving away a free March subscription box to the winner of the THPN Ugly Sock Contest. So here's how to enter. Post a picture of your ugliest pair of socks to the contest post pinned to our Twitter profile at Broadway Boys Pod by March 31st, and James and I will select one winner to win a free March subscription box courtesy of southernscholar.com. That's all you have to do. So take off your shoes, rummage through that sock drawer of yours, snap a picture of the ugliest, most basic, boring, hole filled, stinky, Islanders colored socks you own. And you can finally treat your feet to the style and flair they deserve with a free pair of dress socks, courtesy of southernscholar.com. So, I mean, we have the Devils next. What do you think in terms of goaltending he's going to throw out there? Well, that's the tough thing. You've played Gurev twice, and he, or a few times, and yeah, I mean, I, I assume he goes with, well, here, so there's a few factors. We Igor was skating uh, during morning skate. He was taking shots unimpeded. He's now Quinn says he's officially day to day. Does that mean tomorrow? Probably not, but it's possible. But but at the same time, knowing that, does that mean he knows he can milk one, maybe one more game out of Igor, especially considering that Hank's last outing was not so great? Probably. I mean, you know, Igor. Can I interrupt real quick? yeah, yeah. Here's my thought process. Looking at the sure. schedule, you have the Devils on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You can throw out George. I, I even wouldn't. I would throw out George again. Try to get a win against a weaker team, and then put Hank in against Dallas. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, I understand what your you're saying. Your goal is That's... to split with Dallas and Colorado. You know, well, you know, when when, when do they play Dallas? On the tenth, which gives Igor another. Which, what day was that? Is that Tuesday? Tuesday. So you go Tuesday, Wednesday against Dallas and Colorado. If you just get through the next three games, you have a whole nother week for Igor to rest and get ready, and then you can put him against Arizona. Yeah, I mean, listen, if Igor is taking shots and he's not, and he's day to day, and he feels like it's not impeding him at all and you just want him to get one practice, he could be ready, maybe not by the Dallas game, maybe by the next game. Although, I will say, a lot of our younger guys have really surprises this year because they get hurt, and then it's like, oh, that's going to be a while, and then maybe they sit out a game or two, and then they're like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, you know, I'm young. I heal fast. I know I was in a car accident, and I cracked my ribs, but I'm okay. So, but yeah, I think you're right. You Just make sure, get the points you, uh, yeah, get get points where you can if you feel like you can almost more make it more of a guaranteed thing. And if you're like, this is going to be an uphill battle for us anyway, then yeah. So I I would agree with you there. You play Igor uh, against the Devils uh, on Saturday, although you're listening to this Monday, so you'll know how it worked out. But um, yeah, you you play him versus uh, the Devils, and then if Igor's not ready to go, Hank faces Dallas, and who knows? You know he he. Dallas is a good defensive team, but they're also not the most offensively stout. So maybe it is a good game for Hank. You know what I mean? He might not have to. He might just have to be sharp for a few times. He's not going to get bombarded. So, yeah, and it's a uh, it's one of those games that it's at eight thirty uh, Tuesday night. You know, you might have the media of New York is not that it's not there, but it's you know it's not going to be a uh, you know all eyes are going to be set, you know Saturday night Devils Rangers. That's going to you know it's got the you know the light shining on it. Obviously, a rivalry game. If you go out west, play Dallas, and you got a quick turnaround. Even if Hank stinks it up on on Tuesday, and then you go into Wednesday, and you can beat you know somehow beat the Avalanche. It's like, eh, you got two days, and then you go to Arizona, and then you, come, you don't come back till next Monday against Cal- Calgary. So you could you could hide a Hank loss there if that's your goal. But you know it it is what it is. I'm curious to see how Hank comes out next his next start. I am very curious to see how he handles it because he was kind of thrown to the wolves. I'll give him credit to go against Philly that that game that that's rough. Yeah, I mean he it was a perfect storm for him to fail. Yeah, he, obviously he he is a not what he once was. B, he hadn't played in like almost a month. Mm-hmm. See, there is this thing and it happens that the every time he's in front of the Rangers, they just don't insulate him. I don't know if it's and a lot of these guys haven't been on teams with him before. So I don't know if it's just the aura he gives off that he's like I that or the, it's his reputation. I don't know what it is, but guys refuse to help him clear pucks. They all the things they do to like fight in front of Georgiev or get in a scrum. They don't do it for Lundqvist and it's very weird, but it's a thing. So. um, Yeah, he had an, he obviously and obviously he's a very mental goaltender. You know, he's either he's either on or he's off. And he's not the type that who will can start off and then all of a sudden like turn it on if he has to. Uh he's always been like all or nothing either. You're not beating him like like we saw him against uh uh the the hurricanes earlier this year. Like he would he looked borderline. He was in, in, like he looked like the Lunkos of old in that game. But then yeah, then you have that other night where his angles were all over the place and he's flopping around and it's just, yeah, he's a very, he's a very, he's a mental animal. So he's got a, it has to be, he has to feel comfortable. He has to feel like, yeah, he's got the game in his control and it, yeah, just, it wasn't going to go well no matter what. I didn't, I didn't see any other outcome, unfortunately. And yeah, they just, I saw I think it was also the timing of them losing that. It kind of, I think the team between the injuries and the car crash and losing, uh, yeah, losing car crash and losing Chris. And they're just like, I just felt like they thought that things were about to slip away from them. And they, they kind of just took their foot off the gas. And that's what happened against a team. That's like trying to gain home ice. It was just, it was going to happen. And then you had some players with some bugaboos, I'm sure between Vino's coaching and Hayes wanting to constantly trying to stick it to this organization for the fact that they traded him, even though he's still only going to end up with 40 points. That's the, that's as a side point, this whole, like, Oh, like, you know, Flyers fans being like, Oh, everyone said we were like dumb for, you know, signing Hazel. Who's dumb now? You, you. he's still only going to, yes. Oh, he scores a clutch goal here or there. Really? Hmm. Like he's still only going to finish with 40 points and you're paying him how much money? 
Uh, whatever. That's a that's a separate point. Yeah, they're just um, delusional. They don't they don't understand how awful he actually is. Oh, another speaking of like players that are underachieving, man, Brady Shea. Oh wow, yeah. So I mean, that was the one thing. So that made. Or I'm sorry, Kevin Hayes has 41 points as of right now, so he might finish unless he goes on a tear. He he might he, he might actually has it. been hot as of recent, like which yeah. is why everyone's praising him. But uh, overall, trust me, Kevin Hayes is minus six. He's got 40. Not that I you know I'll give him a shot of that, but yeah, he's played 67 games. So what they have close to 15 games left. So he's got 15 games, and he could maybe he could fit hit. How many years has he signed there? Because that that he's going to be a guy that's going to break down because he does not have like speed and no his strength. He's a strong guy now, but I could see him getting knocked off the puck very easily. Well, that's the other thing. He's not a guy who sets up in front of the net. So if his game is still based on his playmaking, well, to drive the net, I don't. He's not going to be able to do that forever. Well, well, exactly. You know, or pulling people to him unless he. You know, there's obviously you have guys like Thornton who are able to make an art of that, but that's he's in rare company. Yeah. So Kevin, oh boy, Kevin Hayes's contract is he is signed until uh uh 2026. He's he's not going to yeah, be so very good one, towards the end of that contract. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven year contract. He's got six more seasons after this. So good luck. Yeah, but. And yeah, seven seven million AAV or seven point one four two, whatever it is. But yeah, again, that's that's just. But to your point about Brady, yeah, he had a parent. I didn't see it, but I heard people saying like he had a brutal giveaway last night. Oh my night. god, it was bad. It was really yeah. really bad. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're. This is what I warned. Uh, you know, you were a little bit more positive. I, I think I was more realistic. I think you didn't want to totally hurt. Um, oh my God, what's his? What's his, our friend from the, our 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 yeah? Uh, oh, with our friend uh, for Zach from the uh, the Siren Sounder podcast. Yes, uh, for the the our Canes podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I mean, I still I think he I still stand theater, right? by what I said in that it's just that I think Shay, like I said, for my point was that Shay should. Because people, he kind of, A, I think he sees himself this way, and people kind of see him as more of this, like, shutdown type guy. Like, he needs a guy with him who's more steady than he is. Yeah. Because he can't be be relied to be that guy. He kind of has that aura of, like, a Brett Hedekin, like, he'll, like, he can rush up the ice, but at the same time, he's going to slow things down. That's not that's not who Brady Shea is because his decision making is horrendous. Like you, if you give him the puck and say rush this up the ice, I'm going to stay back here. Like yeah, he can do that because even if he gets stripped, you're not in any trouble. But yeah. he and he can advance the puck, and he's a good skater, and he can even like get his shots through pretty well. But it's just that he cannot be the guy that has to like go back and get a puck and make sure look he's over this shoulder, or make sure I you know this guy's trailing me, so I'm going to have to do this because his decision making is horrendous. So. And I've, you know, between his first shift as a Carolina hurricane where he coughed up a puck for a, directly for a goal to, you know, what happened last night. Uh, you got to watch it. I, I got I will. I got to find it. Watch it. And we'll know. talk next podcast because it's it's that bad. It's that bad of a turnover. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it definitely on top of that, not only was I like, you know, we have this guy. I don't, and then you look at that and you're like bullet dodged. You know what I mean? Like, Not to mention we got a first round pick for him. I, I don't care if we're picking dead last in the first round. That's still way more than what I would offer for a defenseman like Brady Shea. Did did Nedeljkovic play a net for them last night? I'm not sure, for, but I all, I'm not sure who played in that. I can look that up right now. But uh, there's like also another goalie named like Lindy or something. Who got arrested oh. last night? For oh, he's yeah, he's he's their third stringer. Yeah, like for like it was like domestic dispute or something. Yeah, well, he's he they just snipped well, that. They just well, that fuck shirt. that guy. Yeah, you know? I don't think he had much of a future there anyway. I think he plays for their their ECHL affiliate or something. But yeah, you oh. know nothing. But well, at I first mean, I was like, oh my god, that better not be their boy. Uh, yeah. Um. I would say, yes. you know, yes. Samsonov yes. is a guy who has a lot of uh, a lot of hype and he hasn't been that great, you know, for the Caps this year. I mean, he, uh, how old is he? Is he is he younger than Igor? He might be. Nadel Nadel Alec Nadelkovich. That's a hell of a name. Uh, yeah. 
thank God he's a hurricane, not a ranger. That's worse than Shashurkin. Um, yeah, he played last yeah. night. Yeah, he's a he's a small guy too. He's only well, I mean, for a goaltender, he's only six foot. Also, and, and I, you know, he's already he's already twenty. He's already twenty four. All right, so he's a bit so they're the same age. I mean, you know, it's funny because Igor has his com- when you look at his compatriots, you'd say they're these younger, but to almost not like Samsonov. I guess when if Sorokin comes over next year. You know, there's a lot of people who are saying like Samsonov is a better goaltender than Igor. Or why is it pronounced Sor- that way? Why Samsonov? Is it, why were they instead now- of Samsonov? Yeah, Samsonov. I'm just used to hearing. Well, I'm here. I mean, I think it's just. I'm used to if I when I watched their uh, World Juniors, they try to be as like. Yeah, uh, we've already Gordon. had a Samsonov in the league. I you can't just like switch the pronunciations. <laughs> we've already had. I don't I listen. All I'm saying is like it's not you, if, it's Sam. <laughs> Sam was like and then like I'm getting Samsonov. Samsonov, yeah. And then sh- you know, shout out to uh shout out to, to he was actually supposed to the, one of my friends uh Phil, big time listener of the podcast was supposed to call in and ask a question. But he was asking me like why are they saying the name like that? Like what the hell's what the hell's the matter with that? Well, I you know at the end of the day, I you would hope that the broadcaster asks the person like, "How do you want your name pronounced?" Because I guess I would be like, like Alexander is gay, like it's it's Georgiev, like it's saying like you know if he was like, "What's your last name?" He's like, and he says, "Oh, Georgiev," and it's like, "We're gonna call you Georgiev," <laughs> like because our we work with a guy who calls him uh, Georgiev, but it's like. I think there is a balance between like, hey, this is your life. If the guy says, I don't, I don't care. Like, you know, Matt Zuccarello his like, we forget his real name is Zuccarello Asin. And he was just like, that's that's too long. He's like, you don't have to say that. And they're like, we're just going to cut the, the Asin off of the end of your name. You know? Yeah. Like, as long. Yeah. I mean, I guess it comes down to listen, people half the league still calls him Zabinajad, you know, like. So it's like. You know, it's 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 not going to be perfect, but I think it's as long as it's not there. Yeah, there's a there has to be a balancing act between like respecting what the guy's actual name is. And like, yes, you don't have to go crazy and try to like which like Shesterkin, like no one's saying like Shesterkin or whatever, how it's pronounced. But it's like you you do your best. And I think it's just with him between Samson, Samsonov and Samsonov. It's like not that different, you know, I think. But I do think if you in like the way Sam talk, if you orate it, it makes it sound a little bit more far fetched. If I so if I if I go like Ilya Samsonov or Ilya Samsonov, it's not a big deal. But if you go Samsonov, you're like, oh boy, like that's a that's a lot, you know? Yeah, and um, the uh, Brady Shea is minus four in the last two games. Hmm. I gotta find a clip of this because it it, uh, uh, it was bad enough that I saw it popping up over a few spots, you know, because you think all Ranger fans would be talking about that, but apparently it was egregious enough that even Ranger fans took time out to from you know waxing uh, Mika to like to be like, oh shit, yeah, I gotta look this up. But I'll I'll do that later. We, we're recording a podcast later now. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, <laughs> again, I don't I don't know uh, where you want to go from here. It's just it's one of those things where we're riding high from last night, obviously. Yeah. And I, we can talk about Zabanajad and, you know, just the leaders on our team and how great they are. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we we have games they, here that they won a battle, but they have not yet won. the Yeah, war. the war is not <laughs> over. It's like this is great to celebrate and certainly be a historical game and it'll be played on msg you know reruns for many years to come but at the end of the day you know it, it still is as mika said he goes i'm just glad we got the two points and we kind of have to move on from here and again those two points against the capitals won't mean anything if you drop the ball against the devils because you have dallas and colorado right after that and then you have a couple days off where you play an Ariz- a desperate arizona team a desperate calgary team and uh, and then you have two against Pittsburgh who are fighting, you know, with Philly and Col- um, Colorado, Philly and Washington, you know, for seeding purposes. It's like you're playing against a bunch of teams that have a lot of meaningful hockey to play. They're in a similar situation with the Rangers where, you know, every point is, uh, you know, is, is desperate. They need it and they have to win. So, you know, the Rangers cannot let off the gas. They have to keep going forward. They need to. The, Put that game behind them. Celebrate it after the season. But right now, you got to concentrate on New Jersey and get two points at home. 
because if you drop this game, forget about it. You're fucked. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Uh, it's like we definitely wanted to make sure, even though there were some games this weekend, we're like, we need to bottle up our our hype for what Mika accomplished last night right now. So who knows how we're feeling uh, come third day's podcast. But yeah, I mean, to reiterate what I said earlier, that the, I think this team knows that despite how good they feel about themselves, like they know that they're still maybe not. It's they're still like on the cusp that they're they're not there. And I think they know that. But I think they know that they have the necessary ingredients to really be something. So. um we hope that the Rangers can stay in this as long as possible and either they get in and we're elated and ecstatic or they don't, but, and we're still proud of them based on what they've done and what they've, the bedrock they've laid. But yeah, I mean, they just need to still take it one day at a time. And I thought that they seem, they've said that a few times. The mantra has always been, we have to, cause that, I mean, everyone says that, but at the same time they realize that it's like, I think they know that they're guilty of sometimes you know, being too mental about these things. And they literally, no matter what happens, they, you can't, they, they've, they've done a good job this season of try, at least try, looking like they've tried to avoid the letdown. They're back, you know, they're how they've uh, responded after losses has been great this year. And I think, um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, their skids haven't been terrible. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, I'm hope yeah, I'm hoping that uh, come uh, Thursday we're we're still still feeling as uh as a uh, jazzed and buzzed as we are right now. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, at this point, the next podcast will pretty much know if the Rangers are are alive or not. Because if you lose these three games, I just depending on other people, it'll be the tough ground to make up if you fall if you fall five to seven points out you know what i mean so yeah and you know you can't keep relying on the other teams losing so every point really is truly valuable and um i am worried about that dallas colorado back to back uh very worried about arizona pittsburgh i'm worried about and then we have capitals and lightning mixed in there yeah and you can bet your ass that washington is probably going to be a little bit more motivated next time because i even i thought in the first period that it was clear Washington was a little tired from playing the night before. Oh, emotional so, game. You just got your yeah. asses kicked. I mean, you know, it's a tough game to, to get, you know, bounce back. And then they did a great job. So credit to the Capitals. Also, what, before we go, can you explain what a roughing is? Because I can't, I don't know if you saw. Uh, I, I didn't see the play, but I heard enough people were freaking out online about it. Well, I just don't get yeah. Like, why do you even have a boarding? Just get rid of it. Make everything a roughing. Who now, who was this assessed to? Uh, Eller. Um, it was Eller's hit on Brendan Smith. It was and a, what, it's a what it's a boarding. It? They just called it a roughing for two minutes. Did it, was was he like giving him a few forearm shivers first, or did he just like flat out run and just hit him from behind and board him? So his numbers, Smith's numbers were exposed the entire time, and he started a couple feet from the boards, which is exactly what a boarding is, and he rode him his numbers out and and. You know, Smith went headfirst into the boards and just finished this check numbers first. Yeah. Now, this is the shit I'm talking. I mean, this is we can save this for another podcast, but the <laughs> NHL ever wants to eliminate this type of stuff. The refs have to step up and call shit for what it is. And that was a clear boarding. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so. At the, at the most recent GM's meeting, we that apparently they're finally going to try to take a look at the whole on for offsides, uh, the whole hovering the skate over the line thing and try to amend it to make it like, so it's not like, Oh, was his, you know, if his skates up in the air, it's as long, it's just breaking the plane. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is good because we're, you know, there's too much time wasted on that anyway. So if this a eliminates it, I still think that that's that, that might be the most who like with offsides like i understand in the nhl now especially how fast guys are that every one stride can make all the difference but like they should what they should have is like they should have like a little there should be two like you should have your line and i think there should be like a like a tiny 
hash like a, even a maybe even a smaller line like a very thin one that is like you know you can see it but it's like very it's not the big it's not the blue line you know what i mean like a like a smaller like very thin like the size of maybe like half of a roll of painter's tape very thin yeah so like that you don't even use it. it's only there that in the event of an offside that it doesn't matter if like if the ref doesn't call it or the team if it's yeah, he has to be over that second line if you're gonna do a review. Yeah, but you know isn't, I mean? that isn't because, technically the blue line part of the offensive zone? Like, isn't that supposed to be like the point of why? Yeah, but line? my whole point is that is that it's like by having that second line is that it still leaves it at the ref's discretion because it's one thing if it was like Duchesne who who they you know the whole reason we have this dumb rule is that you know a few years ago when he was still in Colorado, he caught a pass and he was like, literally he was like two feet over the, the line and they didn't call it. And hence now we're stuck in this thing. Cause the, you know, the refs made a real bad mistake once, but if it's like that indistinguishable, like a guy's dragging his foot and he just happens to be like an inch over, like, are we really going to get caught up on that? It's so stupid. So I agree, but the good news is they are, it looks like they're going to try to look at it, make it a little bit simpler, make it a little bit more at the ref's discretion, which is good. I think that's so may hopefully to your point with, calling stuff what they are they need like you they say they they take these things seriously but they sometimes they refuse to call like you said they refuse to call them what they are or they try to be like i understand you want game management based on how penalties are going around and stuff but you know just to be like oh i don't want to call it as this because that might give them a whatever so this is what i'm just going to call them as a as a rough like come on man like that's I thought you were going to avoid the question by throwing the offsides on there, but credit to you. For I'm not avoiding the question for circling back. <laughs> yeah, I circle. I, you know me, I, I, I wax poetic about things, but to circle back about uh, the league, like I totally agree with you that they, that there does seem to be, they say that they take these things seriously, but they still, I don't like the fact that it does seem like they're still, the, the ref, I think the ref, and I don't know if it's because the referees feel like the leagues, like in their sub after games, they're sub, you know, they're subject to review about how they reviewed the game or in terms of, I don't know what they face in terms of like, if they face like any fines or anything egregious or whatever, or, or, or admonishment. I don't know if you get like a, like a black star or a smile, a frowny face sticker. I don't know what the, what the fuck they do to you, but it seems that there's a lot of refs try to do like, like to you said, they like call thing like they hide it. It's almost like in-game management. You know what I mean? It's like I don't can't make it seem like it was too heavy this way or that way. Like if a guy like if a guy gets boarded in the numbers and he doesn't turn and it's like un, it's, that's boarding. It's not a rough. It's not you can't try to spin it that way just because you you know whatever you think. It's like oh we we missed one earlier. You know what I mean? Like no. that's that's absolute horseshit. And it's like it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And I would say this the other way because there are situations where it does go the other way against the rangers and i'd be the first person that to, to trust me bash the new york rangers for taking this stupid penalty um, yeah i'd probably blame them no matter what anyway yeah absolutely and you know it's funny because um uh you know the tweets going back and forth last night and he was like you know brendan smith dove and i was like i would agree with you except that i know that brendan smith doesn't have the wherewithal to dive so uh <laughs> yeah shout out to uh hockey troll we love you and hate you at the same time and i know you feel the same way about us so uh yeah no anyway, I, anyway so we can you know wrap things up obviously you know this is uh we kind of went off on a last minute tangent there but uh <laughs> you know garbage time we even we can't help ourselves we talk about how great meek is and then we're arguing about how much this league you know is misrun and sucks at the end of the day which is you know kind of par for the course so it's just the 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 situations where players can get seriously hurt and you know with cte uh and what we found in football it's just like you'd think the range of uh, rangers the nhl would try to jump out in front of this whole situation and really try to you know hammer down situations like that i know the game is very fast and it's not a hundred percent like you can't avoid it it's going to happen but there are plays like that where you know you really need to discipline the players that are committing these things so you're not riding a guy from behind into the boards face first you know it's just exactly. like it's, i don't call me crazy i feel like that's a pretty simple way to approach it and we just don't yeah but you're yeah you're right well i'm sure 
uh, we're going to have some down the pipe. We'll probably have some podcasts, whether it's now or in the, you know, at the conclusion of the regular season where we can really get into some of this stuff. But uh, for now, the Rangers are back in the win column. Uh, they still, they're still in the, like we said, they, they won a battle. They have won the war, but they are, they're, you know, they're currently marching through no man's land, you know, an inch at a time. It's an uphill battle, but you know, you have a mixture of winnable, but also, you know, really, really tough games coming up for them and their schedule only gets more brutal from here on out. So that's really, we, we've talked a bunch about testing their metal, but they've been up to the task at every step. So, uh, let's keep advancing forward and, I mean, to close this out, I, uh, you, I think everyone knows how this is going to go. Um, it is now and forever number one C, future captain, Mika Zabanajad season. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.